Anchor, Spotify, CastBox, iTunes. So if, if you, you or anybody that you know wants to hear some of the sermons, they're all online. So Allie is working her tail off to get them up there. And so we thank you, Allie. Amen. She is. That, that girl is the best right hand I've ever had. Thank you. So, muchas gracias, señora. Do not have faith. Do not have faith? Have faith. Have faith? No, it's boss. I thought it was French for heifer. No, no. That's important, though. I thought you were calling me a big old cow or something. I appreciate you not. But, uh, so, did anybody figure out what's the problem yet? They don't have faith. Did anybody figure out the problem with the slide yet? Who took notes last week? What week were we on last week? Seven. Well, what's the what's the problem? I started this I started I started the sermon earlier this week and then I totally blonded it out. Anybody else have blonditis from time to time? Amen. And yes, there are blonde men. Just approach uh, the if you need it. It happens. And uh, I won't apologize for it. It's a God gift. Yeah, that one cost me. S-M-R-T-I-R. All right, so not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven. So you notice there's an exclamation point, and then a question mark, and an exclamation point. Do we have anybody in school who knows what an exclamation point is? Huh? Surprise? What else can it be used for? Emphasis, like, not everybody, bam! But there's a question mark there. So there must be something to it, and we're going to figure it out in Matthew 7. So if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew 7. If you don't, then we have Bibles over there, and you can turn to Matthew 7. So if you want one and don't have one, just raise your hand, and somebody will get you one. Over there on the table? Perfect. Two over here, please. Paul, do you know where the other Bibles are? Bibles in that gray box for King's Table. Hold on a minute. You want me to call another? So Tina knows what King's Table is. Were we able to get a movie going for those guys? Yep. They're That's watching um, McLarry and the Stinky Cheese Battles. Outstanding. So, most everybody knows what King's Table is. So King's um, Tables are always to do once a month on a Sunday afternoon. and So we got meet Tina there this week and, uh, and uh, the children. So it's just a great time. Great time was had by all. Thank you to the committee and thank you all for volunteering. You see, here's kind of here's kind of a weird thing if I can explain this out or, or speak about it a little bit weird or something like that. 
not everybody's going to make it. So there's something else that might be required or something else that might come with receiving Christ as your Savior. Right? So if you're up, on, up in church on Sundays, we're going to go through the book of James. And James says that faith without works is dead. Right? So what does that mean? Does that mean I have to do a whole bunch of stuff? Not necessarily. But it should stir something inside of you to do something differently. Right? And here's, here's the caveat to all of it. God knows your heart. If you do it to be noticed, you will be noticed in a much lower status than you thought you were going to be noticed at. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? So God knows your heart, that real relationship inside. He knows that, and from that comes that unction to do what God is calling you to do, to walk in obedience to the Father. So, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. However, just to say it doesn't mean diddly. Because the part in there is believe with your heart. Believe with your heart. And we've been talking about faith for a while. So do faith and believing in your heart have anything to do with one another? Yes. Anybody else? What do you all think? We got one yes. Do faith and your heart, belief in your heart, so if you have belief in your heart, what's the difference with that in faith? Do we remember Hebrews 11.1? 1? Do you remember Hebrews 11.1? 1? Faith is things hoped for and not yet seen in the assurance. Remember that? Yeah. So... There's something in, in our hearts, something that has to shift. You can just say the words to get out of it. So if those, if those goody-two-shoe Christians are hounding you, like, you better accept Jesus or you're going to burn in hell. So you say, yep, yep, I believe. And then they all go parading off in themselves, high-fiving each other. Woo! We'd let another one to Jesus. Woo! Is that real? Or did you just say something to appease me? I've said this for years. I'm typically big enough in any room to wrestle just about anybody to the canvas and wrap you up like a pretzel, and I will ratchet on your neck and twist your arm and your leg backwards until you say Jesus is Lord. So you say Jesus is Lord, and I let you go, and you run like, I didn't really do it, dinner, dinner, I was kidding. So there's something in our hearts that has to be stirred, something in our hearts that has to be moved. So not everybody who says it is really saved. Not everybody who says it is going to make it. That's sad, right? That's really sad because the last thing I think that any of us would want is anybody ending up in hell for eternity. Before we get going too far, what happens if you're a Christian... You're this professed Christian and you still do naughty things from time to time. Are you going to go to heaven or hell? It depends on the situation. It depends on the situation. 
Depends on the situation. That's pretty ambiguous. What's that? It's a transformation. It's a process of journey. Sanctification you're talking about? This is the journey, the path, the, the thing? Okay. Amen. So here's part of the deal. Like in church, so oftentimes you're going to be in one of two camps. You're either going to you're either going to think that if you do any bad, then you're going to burn in hell. So then I can't go to church because I'm not worthy of what church represents, right? And that's that's hard. That's difficult. The church has cast out millions of people by now because they don't want to teach the reality of these things like like it's really it's really hard as a pastor sometimes to see what people do but my job is not to judge my job is to love but what i'm always looking for i'm looking for that spot i'm looking for that tingling in my heart that gift of discernment that god has given me so that so that i can see what's going on with somebody like are you troubled are you possessed are you are you struggling with oppression or or demonic oppression or possession what's going on where are you like really and so when we talk about torn being about christ-centered and christ-centered relationships these are the places that we really need to get to because we need to get all up in your business to help you to get out of your own business amen like if you want to stick to where you've been then it don't really make much sense like, just go on and do you. But for me, after 26 years of drugs and alcohol abuse, I don't ever want to go back. I don't ever want to go back. My worst day sober is still better than my best day wasted. And just because I can give it a fist pump or woo, doesn't mean butt kiss. Right, like I thought all those things were fun, but the deal was is that we weren't really fun. What they did is they hid me from myself, that internal battle that I didn't have to fight anymore. But what would happen if I actually believed once that I actually had value in me? So like when I receive Christ as my Savior, I receive his righteousness. I become something different than what I once was, but why am I holding on to that? Sometimes it takes a minute, right? And we gotta, we got to learn to let go of the garbage. But do you really want to let go of the garbage? Are you so entrenched in it that that's where you want to be forever? And see, we're talking about, we can talk about depression or oppression or possession. They carry on from generation to generation to generation. And I don't know why we're going down this path, because it has not much to do with what I'm talking about. But somebody needs to hear about this stuff that you're going to be okay. You can be okay. Jesus loves you. He wants you in the kingdom of God. He wants to take all the stuff, all the false narrative that you believed your whole life, that fake, phony belief system, and he wants to burn it with you. He wants to burn that bull so that you never have to see it again. And so it's really important for us to get to a point when we start to understand the truth. And like, really, are we going to allow God into our hearts, or are we just going to say the words? 
to appease the church. You see, the deal is, who's God's walk with? If you're looking and you're wondering about your walk with God, who's that between? You and God. So what do I have to do with it? Nothing. Jack squat. I'm the guy that preaches the word. I'm the guy that loves you. If you need me, you call me and hopefully I can come and help out. But really the greatest help you're going to get is from the Lord, not from me. So that full belief in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, that he was buried and he rose again. He is the atonement, the propitiation for your sins. Now we start to receive Christ in our hearts and we're washed new by the blood of the Lamb. And it's amazing. But what does it all mean? And so hopefully by the time we get done with faith in a month or six or whatever, we're going to know something about where we're at. And hopefully we'll get to a point where we're starting to, to learn to walk in that truth and to walk in that light of Jesus Christ, amen? Because that's, that's where God is calling us to. But you see, we fixate so much on the garbage that we're going through that we can't focus on God. Now, what happened to Peter in the boat? Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and he sunk. What happens to us when we take our eyes off of Jesus? We sink. And if you're willing to receive the hand of Christ in your life, He's willing to pick you up. Some of us got to sink a little farther, a little deeper, right? Like, I can do this, I can do this. We're kicking down there, kicking, and our boots are full of water. <laughs> it's like, right here, hey, yo, hey. <laughs> Which isn't necessarily tough, but he'll understand you to say, I got this, I'm good. Just give me a minute, I'll get this figured out. So, if you talk to God one way, should you talk to his creation in a different That was from last week. So the seriousness about our faith is eternal, right? You've all heard of heaven and hell, perhaps? Anybody not hear of heaven and hell? Real places. Real I used to think before I was a believer, yeah, I'll go to hell, I'm going to party like a rock star. It's like, it's 1999 forever, baby, woo! Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so either. The Bible paints a pretty different picture. I think, I think when we're stuck, when we're stuck in our garbage, we'd like to believe all that stuff. But there's something else. So heaven and hell, it's, it's eternal. It's forever, and that's a long time. So we're talking about three types of people drawn out in the Bible. So one of them are non-believers, right? The other is believers who still frequent their own desires. And the third one is believers fully surrendered to God. Where would you put yourself? You don't have to answer out loud. But hopefully, hopefully, even if you don't see it right now, you'll see the blessing. You'll see the blessing. 
to what we're talking about. Because I used to think, I used to think and I used to struggle with trying to be perfect. That I had to be perfect and every time I screwed up I would beat the living tar out of myself. You see, I didn't understand what the process was all about. To like come out of my slump, to come out of my garbage, I felt like I was just worthless. So the natural person or unspiritual in the Greek, suchikos, unspiritual, and I probably pronounced that pretty poorly. But so this is the the who this is the person who hasn't received Christ as Savior, the person who has not been renewed or born again. Unspiritual from a godly sense. So this is a person who doesn't understand who El Shaddai is. So what's El Shaddai? El Shaddai means the all-sufficient one, the God of the mountains, God Almighty. El Shaddai. So why would you believe... In this God that you don't believe is all sufficient. Like, what are you surrendering your life to? That becomes a battle in our hearts and in our minds. Like, who am I giving my life up to? That's a tough, tough question. If you don't understand the character of God, if you don't understand the character of Jesus Christ, then why would you surrender? At least fully, right? Like how many people are, anybody like I was, and you're willing to surrender like 90%, 95-80% because I need some control of my life, and if this whole Jesus thing doesn't work out, then I'm not going to get stuck looking like an idiot. You know, because I really don't need them all the time, but I want them there just in case I do. So it's like, all right, boss, you just hang out over there. I'll call you if I need you. Right, and I'm over here doing my own thing. But what happens if, if I'm tripping through this thing called life without an understanding that I need God at all? Because I don't understand who He is and who He can be for me. You see, and that, that was my problem. Because if this God was so great, then why did this world suck so bad? suffering and doing the things that I did and seeing the people that I saw die. Why, if God is so good, did those things happen? Nobody took the time to help me to understand that we live in a fallen world. That the enemy, that Satan is real. The prince of darkness is real and he tries to knock us off. We didn't have to try and knock me off, man. He sold the whole bag of goods to me. I was more likely to believe in him than I was God. And it broke my heart when I found out because I look at all the years that I wasted. But now I'm really wasted. God's a redeemer, man. And so he's going to help us no matter where you're at, no matter what season in life you're at. Your life is not a waste. So our problems are not too big for God. For the believer, there's not a problem that you have that is too big for the God that you have. But where does the non-believer turn? Where do they turn? 
All they can do is turn to the world. They turn to their own power. They turn to their friends. They turn to their family. How many of y'all have turned to your family in your hour of darkness to find you ain't got no family sitting there waiting for you? Or maybe you screwed up so many times they're just done with you. I, I, that's my story. The weird thing was when I got sober, my family didn't talk to me for three years. Because now I was one of those Bible thumpers. So I uh, whatever. I still love my family deeply. So the spiritual man, pneumaticos, the spiritual man or woman, one who has been spiritually renewed and transformed through a personal faith and relationship with Jesus Christ, this person will have the Holy Spirit living in them. We just had a conversation with somebody today because we often talk about, well, how do you know if you hear, hear God? How do you know if you hear God? You want to tell him? Or you want to save it? I'll just tell the story if you don't want to. You got to say it loud. Speak into my chest. <laughs> anyway, I, um, Monday I'd gone to Walmart and something told me you got to buy laundry soap. <laughs> I know, but it was God telling me, like, you've got to buy this laundry soap. I didn't know why, but I did. Not a kind I use. It wasn't for me. So then I came home, put it in my room, and I'm like, okay, we'll go in there for a while. <laughs> so then Jerry, he is like, Mom, you never believe what I see on Facebook. I'm like, what? He goes, Well, River Haven needs help with like toilet paper, laundry soap, you know, just your everyday things because they bring it out. Oh, now it all makes sense. So, Thursday, Jerry went and brought everything up. He went and got his towel toilet paper, and the laundry soap. That's how I know God talks to me. What is voice sound like? I don't know how to describe his voice. It's more like a... Something that I wouldn't normally do. Kind of this little nudge. You got this. You got this. And now, now I know what to look for and what to listen for. And I know he's always with me. crazy like the things that God will do that we don't think we hear them but the person who is saved is going to know you're going to feel that presence you're going to feel that nudge inside of your heart from time to time to do something that you may or may not normally do amen it's a little different all right faith this is the slide that we did last week but it's so good I wanted to repeat it Faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible.
sees the invisible. How did Kim know to get the laundry soap? What happens? What happens when you get a nudge to pray for somebody and you don't even know the person? You're seeing it in the spirit. You're being nudged by Holy Spirit. Amen. And there's something that these are things so and we're not even getting to the three types really yet. We're just talking about having faith and walking in Christ. So believes in the incredible and receives the impossible. Why are you going to pray for somebody if you don't believe in healing? Right? So I'm not going to pray for something I don't believe in. So have you spent time in the Word of God to understand that He calls us to lay hands on the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead? But yet we all are like, oh, no, 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 no. What happens if you pray and it doesn't happen? Do they take your birthday away? No. no. How about your car? No. Do you have to pay a, pray, a, a, a prayer's fine? No. Oh, you prayed for somebody and they didn't get healed? Oh, that's $173.50. You can pay it at the local court on Tuesday from 9 to 3. It's not for us to question why the person We're getting there. Shh. You'll have your day. Faith is to accept the impossible, do without the indispensable, and bear the intolerable. How many of you guys have struggles going on in your life? What is in that relationship with God if God is strengthening you to be the man that he's called you to be? One day you're going to grow up and you're going to look back at the challenges that you're facing today and you're going to say, you know what, I remember that time I went to church and that preacher told me to hold on, to just hold on to Jesus and press into him and do what he tells me to do, to always be kind, to be loving, to love God and love my neighbor, no matter what people are saying or doing. Because they, people who are non-believers, they matter in a sense that we need to love them, but how they tell us or tell us who we are, they can't never tell you. Don't let anybody ever take how beautiful you are. Okay? You are a beautiful, intelligent young man with a life full of mystery and wonders galore. Right? And God's going to work in you if you'll let him. So don't ever forget that. All right? He loves you. I guarantee you that, all right? All right. Good deal. So when they are adverse, when they are adverse is one's faith in God exercised. How many of you guys are, are foxhole prayers? I'm like, only when I need you, God, and then you fire them off and jump in the foxhole full of prayer. God lifts you up and gets you out. Set you free, and now you're good to go. You're doing your own thing. Something else, something else bad happens, you jump in there. What would happen if we actually developed a faith that said each and every day, each and every moment, I should be praying to God, who's going to tell me to go left or right. Yes, it's down to that. Left or right can matter life and death. 
Because luck just might be that place that God is leading you to get to somebody who needs you because you have what they need. You see, because I can't talk to everybody, but you all can. Right? We all have different stations in life. No matter where you're at, no matter what your age is, somebody just needs to hear that they're loved and valued. That can stop somebody from running the race that I ran, which wasn't a very holy race. You see, but if I never, if I, somebody didn't tell me that I was worthy, that time when I needed it the most, I would have sank back and it would have been deeper and darker and farther. And I don't know if I would ever come back. <coughs> when you're having those questions in your head, like one more time like this, and I don't know if I'm coming back. I don't know if I can ever come back from where I'm going. That'll, that will scare the bejesus out of you. That's a horrible place to be. But let me tell you this. If you're willing to listen to God, if you're willing to allow God to create something new and fresh in you, He's willing to lift you up and pick you out of the muck and the mire, even if you created it. Which most of us did. Right? George, you ever get in trouble at home for doing this? And you look back at it after you were right for hours and hours and hours, and your bride's telling you you're wrong, and you go, dang, she was right. Because I'll tell you what, in a marriage, it goes both ways. It's like, whew, you don't you just hit me right upside my stubborn button. Now that the heels are dug in, baby girl, it's on, like Donkey Kong. <laughs> right? Why do I have to be so dang right? But boy, you just fired something up in me. We're going to talk about this. But if I could have just practiced the spiritual discipline of... Things could have gone a whole lot different. Don't be afraid to take the big step if one is indicated. How many of you guys have ever stood on the precipice of something good, but it was a little bit outside of your reach? You'd have really had to pull your pants up to get out there, and you're scared to step. You're scared to step into something. And this is that call. This is those spiritual gifts that we're talking about as well. Like... We're afraid to step into being prayer warriors. We're afraid to step into doing this or being an evangelist or being a teacher or whatever. Because it seems so out of the realm of possibilities. But weren't we just talking about being fully surrendered to God or and or not being fully surrendered to God? Right? Like, young man, there's going to be times coming up in your life that you're going to be scared to death to take the next step. And you're going to believe somebody who once told you that you couldn't do it. But God is talking to your heart and is calling you forward and he's telling you, just take that step. Take the step, my man. I got you. This is where you're going. And you take that step and you're going to walk into something just incredibly beautiful. You're going to go, oh, snap. Like, did he really just do that? You'd be standing over here looking at the step you just took. Like, I didn't even know my legs were that long. Why'd I do that? 
It's going to be God working in your life. And each and every one of us, each and every one of us, you're about to do college. That can be kind of scary. Kind of, kind of like one of those things. But trust in your heart that God is speaking to you because he loves you. He knows you. And from the beginning of time, he's been speaking life into you. When he looks at you, he sees the most incredible young girl. He's like, you know what? That's my girl. We're going to do amazing things. Oh, she's going to have fun. She's going to do her thing. And it ain't going to be right all the time. That would be the first time you're away from mom and papa. You're going to, woohoo! Right? They know it's coming, but don't step that way too far. It would be great if you just stuck to the values and the principles that mom and dad and God have been teaching you your whole life and just hung right there. Like, like being, being cool for the Lord is even more cool than being a fool for the world. Right? And it's going to tempt you. You're going to want to go. And you're going to have to take a step. You're going to have to take a big step. And you're going to have to hold your ground somewhere and say, that's against my beliefs. I'm good. I'm straight. Y'all go do your thing. I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. And, you, and they're going to poke fun at you and say, well, what's the matter with you? Say, nothing's the matter with me. It just goes against my values. Did you know it's okay to have values? Right? Like, it, you're going to be solid. You're going to be good. But just take that step and let God, trust in God, trust Him to do what He's going to do in you, and you're going to be blown away. Right? So the spiritual man, the third type, is where a lot of folks live. And the trouble soon begins for them. And, and Now this is really like where we all got to start being honest. Like for real. Because like, it doesn't do any good to try and tell a little white lie to the Lord. Right? Like he already, he already knows. Old boy's been reading your mail already. What's up? If you're what? That's an interesting take we'll have to explore, and I would love to talk to you sometime. Okay? It's a really interesting thing. So, yes, I want to hear more about it. So, perhaps we don't believe that he is who he says he is. He is L. Roy. The God who sees me. God knows us and our troubles. Like some of us, how many of you ever heard, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. And so we're out there tripping around this world doing stupid stuff that we know we should, but hey, I'm forgiven, right? Like this would be all good, but... You know, I just got to go do that one thing, right? I'm going to head over here. I'm going to do this thing. But God's, God's good. He's forgiving. So I'm, I'm just going to go over here, right? And then, and then you stumble back. You stagger back. You do your whatever. And you're like, hey, God, you forgive me? He's like, yeah, I got you. But here's the deal. You know in your heart the difference between right and wrong. You know what's sin and what isn't. 
you know when you're walking into something whether you should be or whether you shouldn't be, right? And if you don't know when you're walking into it, you'll discover it pretty quick, amen? Like, oh boy, I should not have gone and done that. How many of you guys, uh, like I'll flip on a movie or something and all of a sudden it's a whole bunch of stuff that I shouldn't be listening to or seeing. It's like, whoop, click, click, get out of here. But I knew before I turned it on because I had that feeling in my spirit telling me not to do it, but I went on and did it anyways. And where I'm at, I'm not one of these guys that thinks that like everything is just absolutely horrendous and you shouldn't watch whatever. But I think that you need to be aware of what, what trips your spirit, what trips you what trips you up? What takes you off your kilter? What gets you off your rocker? What sends you to a bad place? I've told y'all my, like I, I'm really sad this week. Do, do you care why I'm really sad? Because season 14 of Street Outlaws is all there is. And I've watched it all. And now Big Chief is gone, he's done, he didn't do as well as he wanted to, so now we're at America's List, and it's, you know, it's cool and everything, but man, I'm missing Big Chief. I'm sad. It's my show. Like, now what am I going to do till 1 in the morning? I can't sleep. I can't sleep. I'll go to bed at midnight, 1 o'clock, and get up at 5 or 6. There's a ball like me. So these folks are spiritual, but give it to the world perhaps more and open a door for the work of Satan. Satan is right there and he's waiting. He's waiting for each and every one of us to fall. He loves that stuff. Or if you're with God, right? Like you're fully surrendered to God, he's already right there. But you have a choice to walk off. Right? And that's that, that's that repetitive sin, maybe. That's those things that we shouldn't ought to do. Anybody struggle with a foul mouth? Right? That's a hang-up. That's a hang-up. It only goes up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, under the right circumstances, woo-wee! inside of me reminds me of how poor a choice that was. And even though I can justify my anger, I'm sinning. And the word tells me, be slow to anger and sin not, and yet here I go. Vomit all over the place. It's not good. But I do it. So who else has got hang-ups and hurts and places that we fail at, right? But I used to think that that meant that I couldn't be saved, right? I had a struggle with pornography for a while. And I'm like, man, how can I struggle with that and call myself a Christian? How can I call myself a Christian if I have these struggles? Anybody struggle with that one? Like, no, I'm just never going to be good enough. I just keep on keeping on and the same stupid stuff. 
He just falls out the same stupid behaviors. Fall out. What am I focused on? What am I focused on? And what is this? What does the enemy want me to focus on? I'm focused on me, and I'm focused on my sin, and all of a sudden, my sin becomes my identity instead of my identity in the Lord, right? And so I'm just no better than Peter, who looked at the waves for what seemed like a split second, and down he went, right? He dude was walking on the water. What do you and I? What can you and I do with the same spirit that let Peter walk on the water? What do you and I got? We have the same spirit, but we tend to look at our sins and see what a failure we are instead of looking at what a savior we have. And so now my life is spent trying to fix this thing so hopefully God doesn't see it. Hopefully I can buffalo the old man one more day, right? But what if you didn't need to? What if getting to a point of understanding who you are and whose you are was something that actually transformed you into being what God has called you to be? So this is uh, Matthew Henry, and this is a commentary. He does a whole commentary on the Bible. He's one of my favorite guys because I think he's just solid. You know, you ever, you ever listen to one of those people and you're just like, man, I wish I had written that. That sounds just like my brain. Well, this guy isn't one of those. He's much smarter. So this is the conclusion of this long and excellent sermon, the scope of which is to show the indispensable necessity of obedience to the commands of Christ. And so, is it more important to understand where you failed? Or is it more important to understand that you're saved? And then once you understand that you're saved, what's the deal? What are we focused on? Are we focused on ourselves or can we focus on being obedient to God? Right. If inward impressions be not answerable to outward expressions, we are but as sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Somewhere in the heart of the Christian is the spirit that is moving us to be the very embodiment of Christ. So we fail and we struggle. But do you feel it? Mike, you're a music master. Do you think that's what that song was about? Tell me, can you feel it? We're dancing on the ceiling. Do you feel that? When you screw up, do you feel something inside of you telling you that you shouldn't go and have done that? Right? So immediately, there's something stirring in our spirit that calls us out. And this is that listening to the voice of God, listening to the utterance of God so that we can be transformed and renewed. Renewed, made new. Right? So we surrender our lives, we die to self, and we're made new in Christ Jesus. But most of us seem to want to hold on to that old thing. Right? Because that's all we were. That's all we know for some of us. But what if God has something more for you? 
and it's just stopping. You're just stopping him from doing the stuff. But you just told me that you're feeling that. This is not to take us off from saying, Lord, Lord, from praying and being earnest in prayer, from professing Christ's name and being bold in professing it, but from resist or resting in these in the form of godliness without the power. You see, because what did, what did the soldiers do on the night in which Jesus was led to the grave? When he was led to the cross, what did they do? The soldiers that beat him, and then what did they do? <laughs> King of the Jews, huh? And remember, they put a crown on him. They put a crown on him. And then they put a sign above his head that says, Here is the king of the Jews. They mocked him. And what are we doing? What's the difference in what we do? You see, beloved, we got to get to the point where things get to be okay in our world, where we are surrendered to the Father, to where we're willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, to where we're actually listening to the voice of God in our hearts. You see, because it's that that's going to drive us to do something different. And it may start out with a little bit of laundry soap, it might be serving at the king's table in a place you never thought you could or would. It might be giving yourself a break. Cut yourself some slack. Any of y'all really hard on yourself? How's that working out so far? It doesn't work out with a ding day. All right, Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says what? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So the Greek is tereo or tero, keep or observe. All that I have commanded. What did Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Love God and love your neighbor. How many of us are good at that? <laughs> Let me ask you this. If the church was as good as what the church says they are, loving their neighbor, how fast do you think the church would grow? Right? Like how much love is needed in this world to fix the problems but yet, those who are so desperate and in need to just feel the love, feel nothing. But guess what? In our little corner of the world, we're going to bring a change in the name of Jesus. Amen. Because he has called us to be different in the world. You see, but it's going to require us to go from those people who are just busy beating ourselves up that don't feel good enough to actually serve and do something to where we actually understand that we are good enough because he died on the cross for us. 
You see, and so our call is to obey his commands. Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So what is the will of the Father? We just talked about it. To love him and to love our neighbor. That's the Ten Commandments wrapped up in two. You see, but the world keeps telling us all these things, and so these things that we know to be sin, we are justifying in an attempt to try and be loving. But if we're loving, if we're loving, we lovingly help people up and out of where they're at. Right? If he saw somebody in a terrible car accident, would you help them out? Yeah. How many of us see people whose lives are a terrible train wreck? And we just say, I'll pray for you. But do we pray prayers of faith? Do we walk in actual faith in order to believe it? Do we do what God is calling us to do when God is calling us to do it? What if they don't want you to? Amen. That's a great question. What do they do? What do we do if they don't want to get out of the train wreck? And that's everybody's choice. You love them just the same. You are not Jesus Christ. You are not their Savior. But I'll tell you what. You can love them like you were. That's what we're called to do. Who does the healing? Who does the saving? God does, not us. And the people are the church, it's not the building. So when people oh. see your testimony with God's word and how you fall, you get back up and fall, they're going to walk with what you have. Right. So it's, I mean, you hear the voice of God, yeah, there's a time when we have to also let that anointing fall on us and when just, you'll just know where to go. So people are watching. Right. Check out what Matthew Henry says here. That it is necessary to our happiness that we do the will of Christ, which is indeed the will of his Father in heaven. The will of God as Christ's Father is his will in the gospel. For there he is made known as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and in him our Father. Now this is his will, that we believe in Christ, that we repent of sin, that we live a holy life, that we love one another. This is his will, even our sanctification. If you were to rate the church, I'm not asking you to judge, I'm asking for an observance. I'm not talking about this one. What have been some experiences that you've had throughout your life with the church. Some are really good. Some are not so good. But I'll tell you this, that we all have to be loving, even when we're stinking. Right? Like, the reputation of Jesus. Yeah, unless we get that nudging in our spirit, we may not ever know that what we're doing is not what God has called us to do. Right? And so the unfortunate truth is Sometimes a young man or a young woman will go to cemetery 
And there their faithful died. And so they come out preaching every book but the Bible. And they caused an extreme amount of pain from top to bottom. I've seen it myself. I've been victimized by it myself. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you? Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. What is the difference if we say Jesus is Lord and then do not do what he calls us to do? What is the difference between us and those who gave him a crown of thorns? But it, and it's not, it's not to feel bad. Like, stop feeling bad. Feel the conviction is good. Because most of us ain't going to change nothing if we don't think it's broke. Right? We just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. And we wonder why things aren't happening differently. Because we're not putting anything different. If I take my truck key and I put it into my Jeep and I can't get the ignition going, is the Jeep stupid or am I doing something goofy? Right, sometimes it's operator error, and it's okay, like I got to know, oh, goof, I got the wrong key in the car. And it's okay, so I put the Jeep key in the Jeep, and the Jeep drives just fine. Put the truck key in the truck. Not all of us are called to everything. Not all of us are called to everything. But we're all called. Some for this, some for that. Each and every one of us has an incredible value in the kingdom of God. Every one of us, no matter where you've been, no matter what you did this morning or this afternoon. We repent with our hearts and we're forgiven but it takes a little faith Matthew 7 24 everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock so why is it if we come to church why is it that we seek all these other things to fulfill us How many of you guys find your value in what you do for a career? <coughs> How many of you guys, if I, if I asked you to identify yourself, would say, and mean it, and I'm not asking, this is not Sunday school, so I don't want to hear all the good Christians say, Christian, you're out in the world, and somebody asks you, who are you? What do you do? 
Mine was carpenter for the longest time. But what would happen first and foremost if I actually professed my love for Jesus Christ? Does that have the possibility of transformation? Does that have the possibilities of sparking a conversation? Not everyone will enter the kingdom of heaven. Will you? How do we know? Well, we do, young man. We absolutely do. I'm glad you said that. See, that's super cool that you did because, honestly, we get more truth from kids than we do adults a lot of times. I'm not even playing with you. I'm not even playing with you. Did you know that Jesus himself had the kids come to him? When all the disciples said, no, 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 he told the kids, bring the little ones to me. You know why? Because he loves you. He loves your heart. He loves your heart. And, and he calls all of us big people to have faith like a kid. Why? Because you're not as tainted by the world as we are. You're not as cynical. And that might be a big word for you, but we're not as cynical. You're not as cynical as we are. See, and that means we see like, like big people, older people, we have all this stuff that happened to us in the world. Like people broke promises. They lied to us. They did this. They did that. They hurt us in a lot of different ways. Things weren't what they're supposed to be, and you're going to run into that. Throughout your life, you're going to find times when things just aren't what they're supposed to be. You'd be like, what the, what is going on here? This ain't even right, y'all. You said this, and we're doing that. That ain't even close to it. Right? But you see, if you, if you don't allow yourself to get to be cynical, but to look for the joy in every situation, good, bad, ugly, or otherwise, if you look for that, you'll be walking in faith because God will find and give and bring beauty out of everything for His glory. You see, a lot of us forget that stuff. But if you start, if you start now, you don't ever have to forget it. Right? Like when the world tries to tell you something, when people are mean, people are mean. And it hurts. Right? But instead of popping them in the lip like they might deserve, what if you just said, hey, it's okay. I know who I am because Jesus loves me. Let me pray for you. You might still get popped in the lip. But it's all right. It ain't nothing. You don't heal. Right? Maybe, but you're going to be okay. In the grand scheme of things, out of all of it, stick to your heart. Because once you receive Jesus in your heart for real, like, he'll never leave. And it doesn't matter what the world tells you. You see, you get a chance, you get a chance that a lot of kids don't get. You are blessed. Blessed beyond measure, even with all the garbage of the world. And so many of us are blessed. So how do we know that we're going to heaven? Does that third type of person still go to heaven? Cam? What would be the deciding factor? The heart 
a heart condition, a relationship with Jesus. You see, because the Word says, if we believe with our heart, like really believe, like that's the kind of belief that you can't take away. That's a beautiful thing about kids. Like I was saying, like, you got a belief in here, like believe in some stuff that nothing or nobody can ever take away. So you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he came to die for our sins. He paid for our sins. Right? Like he did what nobody else could do. And then he died on the cross, he was buried, and he rose again. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he rose, and he's with the Father in heaven. And we profess that with our lips and believe it with our hearts, and we're saved. And that third type of person, even though they don't walk it out perfect, they're still going to heaven. So see, that's a saving grace. That's a beautiful Savior that loves us, even though we don't do it perfectly. Amen? There you go. Always reach for the joy in your life. Don't worry. Don't be tripping on all the haters. Right? Because what do haters be doing? Haters. Haters be hating. Right? So we don't we don't even trip about that. It's hard, though. So let me pray and we'll get out of here. All right. I just want you guys to know that I love you and that Jesus loves you and that uh, you are good. You are solid. All right, so Father God, we love you and we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your love. We thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for your blessing. Lord, we ask that you would love each and every one of us through our stuff. Lord, whether we're sitting right here or whether we're worshiping at home, would you please fill our hearts right now in the mighty name.